Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Disciples of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What had Mary Magdalene expected to see that first Easter morning? What she actually experienced in that early dawn is certainly not what she expected. Nor could Mary have expected all of the things that she experienced in that past week. Just seven short days before, she had entered the holy city of Jerusalem with Jesus and with his disciples, rejoicing with the multitudes and singing great songs of praise. She came to Jerusalem with a man that she and many had hoped would be the Messiah. She was a witness to the jubilation of the people and the shouts and songs of the children. I'm sure that she joined in with the singing of hosannas to the son of David. But what started out so right quickly turned tragically wrong. Only five days later, Jesus had been arrested, tried, tortured, and condemned and a brutal sentence of death had been carried out. Jesus, the man so many had expected to be their king, was crucified, and then he was hastily buried. What Mary experienced in the coolness of that first Easter morning was certainly not what she expected. She expected to be confronted with the unspeakable reality of Jesus' death. What she experienced instead was the indescribable joy of his triumphant resurrection. What greeted Mary and those other women who accompanied her to the tomb that morning was not what they expected, even though Jesus himself had told them what to expect many times before. The Gospels of St. Matthew and Luke and Mark each record on no less than three occasions that Jesus had warned his disciples and those that traveled along with them what was to come. In St. John's Gospel, Jesus even predicts his own death on the cross. Yet even with these warnings and these teachings, and even though they believed Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God, and even though they were all witnesses to his miraculous power, they still didn't understand what all of this meant. They had hopes but they were hopes at that point of a wishful thinking sort and not the real hope that comes with faith. That means that they still doubted. And so when Jesus was crucified and died, their hopes died too. But when the angels greeted Mary and the other women who had come with her to the empty tomb, they gave voice to that truth upon which our hope for life everlasting is founded. St. Paul wrote of the hope of this truth when he recorded in his first epistle to the church at Corinth, If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If you are a Christian, you know full well that if Jesus did not really rise, your faith is in vain. But you are assured that your hope is grounded in far more than this. For in that same epistle, Paul goes on to say, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The devil, who is the father of all lies, would have you believe that the resurrection story is not true. Indeed, he has convinced most of the world that the disciples must have stolen the body from the tomb or that there's some other plausible explanation. Sadly, in some cases, many of those who even call themselves Christians explain the resurrection away as being some sort of a case of mass hysteria or that the resurrection only means the the spiritual living on of Jesus as a concept, not a bodily resurrection. After all, Anyone with any worldly sense whatsoever knows that the dead do not rise. But the fact is, those 11 remaining disciples did not steal Jesus' body. If people want to use logic and make rational deductions about it, then the idea of the disciples doing that makes even less sense. As the Gospel narratives freely admit, the disciples were too afraid to even come out of hiding. The women and not the disciples are the first ones to visit the tomb. The disciples didn't have the courage or the means necessary to confront the guards at the grave, to much less overpower them and take custody of Jesus' body by breaking the seal on the entrance of the tomb and then leave those same guards unhurt and able to go back and report to their superiors. No, the disciples did not steal the body of Jesus and then spend the rest of their lives, decades that is, promoting and perpetuating a lie. No one would face the hardships of traveling the entire known world of their time, preaching a gospel of faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins if they weren't absolutely certain and believed that it was true. There are far easier, far more comfortable ways to make a living. And most convincingly, no one would be willing to suffer for years and years and then to die as most of the disciples later did, horrible deaths defending a hoax. Would you be willing to die a grisly death to defend a myth? Were these apostles any less rational about the realities of the world than you or me? The truth remains. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Yes, Satan and those he leads, both demons and human have tried to perpetuate the lie that Jesus did not rise from the dead. And where he has been unsuccessful in this, he has tried to minimize the true reason for the celebration of Easter. In much of even the Christian world, Jesus' resurrection is pushed aside in favor of the ridiculous. Often the empty tomb and the flesh and blood Jesus who was given for you is relegated to the back seat of Easter celebrations and other far less beneficial meals are brought forward colored eggs, marshmallow chicks, chocolate bunnies. Rather than an opportunity to point to the cast-off burial claws of the risen Christ and the cross that led to them, Easter instead becomes a chance for people to show off their spring wardrobe ensemble so that they can be the center of attention, so that they can be grandest in the Easter parade. Now, in in and of themselves, these things are certainly not bad. They can even be fun and be beautiful. When they replace the empty tomb, though, when they become the primary focus, instead of Jesus' resurrection and the gift of life that it ensures, then, then Satan has won. Rather than being a celebration of the life God gives, Easter then merely becomes a welcoming ritual of spring, 
no more significant than a pagan holiday or any secular observance. Yes, the devil has tried to minimize the empty tomb, and with many in the world he has succeeded. As St. Paul writes, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But not so with you, for you know the truth. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Yes, you know the truth, but is there anything in you that made you come to believe that truth? The answer is no. Your old Adam, your old sinful flesh, cannot by itself discern anything spiritual. On its own, your corrupted flesh has no knowledge of who God is. And what's more, it has no desire to do so. But the answer is also yes. Yes in the sense that through the means of grace, God's holy word and His blessed sacraments, God calls and enlightens you with the Holy Spirit and dwells within you, giving you faith and strengthening that faith. By the strength of God alone, you believe. Mary and the other women who came to the tomb with great sadness that morning to confirm Jesus' death and to come to grips with it, come away instead with great joy as being the first witnesses of His resurrection. The response of these faithful women to seeing the risen Christ sets forth the proper response to the risen Lord, that is, worship. And it is here, in this place, that that risen servant king comes to you too, bestowing his life-giving gifts. Here, in the worship of your risen Savior, another great exchange takes place. Jesus Christ brings to you, through the liturgy and the hymns and the prayers and the preaching of his church, the treasures that he won for you on that bloody cross on Good Friday. He gives to you that which you could not gain for yourself, peace with God and salvation. Jesus obeyed God's law perfectly. You do not and you cannot. He pleased the Heavenly Father, conforming to the will of God when you could not. He suffered the punishment for your sins that you could not have carried. Jesus died for you. Yes, it's true, He died for the sins of all people, the sin of the whole world. But in doing that, it means that He also did, for, did it specifically and personally for you as well. Where you were unable to go, He took the path. He took your place. When you should have died, He died instead. Through Jesus, you can now say, look, there's my name in the book of life. I have died with Christ. The devil has no claim on me. And when the father of lies tries to accuse you on judgment day, God will say, through a substitute, my son, this man, this woman, this child has died to sin. Be gone, Satan. Your power has no claim here anymore. That is what Jesus has won for you. This is what He gives you when you meet Him here in His holy house. In return, you give to Him the only things that you can give your thanks and your praise, your alleluias and your amens. We acknowledge the truth. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You need not fear the grave any longer. You no longer approach your God in sorrow and in trepidation. 
with Mary Magdalene in the garden on that first Easter dawn, you kneel at the feet of your Savior in prayer and at this rail to receive His flesh and blood. As Isaiah wrote, He swallowed up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Our Lord's return at the end of time will be heralded by the great sound of trumpets. Music which will signal the last day has come. Here at His resurrection is the first and decisive blast of God's great and final music. That final music will never cease because the score is written by God Almighty Himself and the Lord writes no unfinished symphonies. As surely as Adam once set the final deathward cadence for mankind, and made all human life an inevitable march toward death, so surely has Christ reversed that cadence and made it a music that even more inevitably shall surge upward to eternal life. So with Isaiah, you may declare with joy and with thanksgiving, it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. So now you hear and you too proclaim the message of Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And He says to you, I forgive you all your sins and I grant you life eternal. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.